Welcome to the Aparavi Podcast, dedicated to points of view, challenges, experiences, and best practices in managing enterprise data. I am Daryl Richardson, the Chief Product Evangelist for Aparavi, the data intelligence and automation company. Good afternoon. For today's podcast, we're going to take a look at how Aparavi can save uh, your organization immediately and provide an almost instant return on investment or ROI. So one of the largest expenses an organization has today is the IT budget. The IT budget usually consists of a few areas like software or hardware or services um, and communications. Uh, In most businesses today, IT spending represents between 5 and 30% of the total expenditures the organization will have every year. That's a lot of money. Uh, With the average hardware refresh being a mere three years, organizations will have to budget a hardware refresh every three years and pay maintenance service agreements for their support and software updates, etc. These hardware costs come in many forms, uh, storage devices, servers, backup appliances, security appliances, and other types of hardware. Um, As for software, typically you see a license cost up front, uh, either a per capacity type license or or, an, or a user license. Uh, and then after that first year, then there's typically a renewal service agreement that is somewhere around the 25% of the total cost of the original license. Um, and and the, the, the renewal is typically used for like software updates or patches or support. Uh, in most software uh, companies or enterprise software companies, there are also different levels of support. This ranges from a typical nine to five, you know, phone support to more advanced 24 hours a day or 365 day a year support, uh, follow the sun type stuff. Um, And then it can get into the more expensive dedicated support teams like um, dedicated support people that, you know, you, you pay, you know, a lot more money and 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 you have this a dedicated guy that you can just email or call and he's going to solve your problems or in some cases they can even put residence in place if the uh, enterprise is large enough where you know there's a, a enough um, a business there that where they need to simply you know have somebody on staff all the time you know this to me sound it, it, it's kind of problematic for me because when you start looking at organizations with you know, these complex support structures, it, it kind of tells me that there's typically a lot of problems, right? I mean, uh, uh, may, maybe I'm missing something, but I mean, if, if I had to, if I had to guess, I would have to say that, you know, these, you know, very complex support tiers and programs uh, tell me that, you know, I'm going to need, you know, some advanced level support. You know, of, of course, with, with SaaS offerings, you know, that typically is not going to be the issue here. So what I decided to do today was, you know, quote a couple of things out there. So there was a a recent IT survey done by Partners Group, which is a technology-based investment company. Um, And there, and the key was, um, what, what is the key challenge for 2020? And it reported two specific things that were very um, intriguing. Um, You know, number one was, you know, that the company's all needed to maintain revenues as much as possible, right? In other words, at least maintain, but grow as as we can. But also the the save and slash cost across the board while maintaining those revenues. So that's that's going to be a pretty tough thing to do um, in today's climate. So I wanted to break down kind of the IT spend. Uh, there was a, a recent Gartner report um, back in 2019 that uh, basically said that uh, organizations spent a staggering 
$1.4 trillion in global IT expenditure. Um, it was a 6% increase from the previous year, and it represents five key technologies. So data center system spending uh, dropped 3.5% to about $203 billion. Um, enterprise software climbed 9% to $457 billion, where devices uh, fell sharply at 4.3% to $682 billion. Um, IT services, uh, or uh, and this would probably be like uh, consulting services or MSPs, they were up 3.8% to $1.03 trillion U.S. dollars. And the biggest spend was... The, the communication services, which is only down 1% um, and still a staggering $1.36 trillion. Um, so, I mean, these costs are expensive. I mean, this, this is a lot of money out there that people are spending on. Um, and understanding these costs and the typical cost of maintenance and renewal costs for hardware and software, which can be up to 25% of these costs. So how can SaaS applications save you money? Um, so I'm going to outline... Uh, the the different pillars of enterprise data management and and kind of explain how this works and then hopefully it'll kind of shed some light on on total spend and why it costs so much so applications that are SaaS like Operabi's the, the platform is is a complete software as a service application. So typically, SaaS applications are going to be subscription based. You know, monthly cost or a yearly cost, or maybe you get a two or three year contract. Um, you know, for for that long. Um, and and platforms will kind of span across four different swim lanes um, of the data management process. So. And those four swim lanes are um, the intelligence pillar, um, and these are the applications that collect information about your data, like the metadata, like the age or the size and, and these kind of things. You know, some of these tools is, have uh, classification built into them, um, and, and some of them have, you know, action ability where you can actually act on the intelligence, uh, you know, so, so more, more expensive applications um, can do that. There are some basic metadata capture uh, tools out there that may or may not be good enough. Um, and then, then you move into the second pillar, which is your data protection. Um, and this is simply put, this is your backup. Right. These applications and their primary use are for disaster recovery uh, or the need to maintain copies of data for a specified retention time. This data is easy to access and in most cases runs uh, full backups weekly, for instance, or maybe an incremental on a daily or, or uh, you know, every few hours, depending on the importance of of the data set. Um, and the third pillar is is where you start getting into kind of some of the granular stuff. It's the archiving tier. Applications used for archiving uh, and the primary use is for discovery and governance of the data. And so when we look at um, how archiving tools manage data today, it's, uh, you know, you'll target a specific source like email or SharePoint or file shares, and you'll bring in that data into the archive and usually maintain an index of the data so you can find it quickly. Um, there's some basic metadata that's captured and a lot of these archiving tools also have um, classification so that you can tag uh, the, the files with some sort of regulatory tag that makes it easier to find, um, you know, like uh, like your PII or your GDPR or CCPA, financial information, some of these other things. And, uh, and that data is stored in an archive and then 
in most cases, it's deleted after the retention runs out. Um, and then, of course, the last pillar um, for a data management process would be like your e-discovery tools. So e-discovery applications are used to produce data um, as requested by, say, legal teams or public uh, uh, records requests or subject access requests or maybe an auditor or something. Um, and most of this data would need to be held in place or protected. Uh, it's kind of a, co a process called legal hold. Um, and then, you know, the e-discovery applications are, are, are like super search engines for me. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll provide tools like proximity searching, uh, allow you to call the data down really quick. They have OCR, um, auto redaction, annotation tools, and, um, and tagging so that you can tag the files as relevant or non-relevant or, or, or whatsoever. You know, so... Uh, if your organization needs to have a complete data management application, in most cases, the software that comes from each one of these swim lanes might be needed to handle the full life cycle of data management from beginning to end, right? You know, so what I've done here is I've created kind of a use case, uh, a company called Acme Corp. It's a large enterprise operation with about 500 terabytes of unstructured data. Um, their active directory uh, currently holds 15,000 active users, and these are not service accounts or admin accounts. 80% uh, of this data or roughly 400 terabytes of this data um, is considered unstructured while another 100 is kind of, you know, it's, it's, there's some unstructured, there's some structured, there's some semi-structured, um, you know, so it, it would definitely need to be looked at. And, uh, and, and the company is a highly regulated financial industry with offices in Europe, including Germany. Um, and this particular company, uh, it has three data centers, one in the U.S., one in the U.K., and one in Germany. So let's evaluate what Acme Corp. might need to manage the company's data set. So Acme Corporation is obviously going to need a backup tool. They'll need to most likely manage uh, more than just the 500 terabytes because they're going to need to do regular fulls, um, also regular incrementals on a daily basis. But they also have lifecycle policies for backups to be held for 30 days so that they have 30 days worth of data they can restore back to. So um, the way I see it is that the, the Acme Corporation would need roughly 900 terabytes of total backup application or licensing or capacity, you know, so... Um, and this would allow them to store those four fulls and then their um, uh, their incrementals as well. So uh, since the data in Acme is also highly regulated, um, certain regulations like SEC, FINRA, Sarbanes-Oxley require certain data to be kept for a specific amount of time and available quicker. So an enterprise archive application that can assign retention index the contents and classify the data would be a, uh, um, a capacity-based type license of, say, 500 terabytes of unstructured data. The archive tools can also be purchased like per user or, or per the terabyte, um, typically. Uh, so, uh, and, and this archive tool also is going to need to be some sort of uh, automated classification that will provide easy access to the data and can protect the data from being deleted. Um, in other words, you know, an, uh, an immutable archive that doesn't get deleted um, or, or some sort of hold process. Uh, in a lot of cases like this, uh, you know, for email, it would be called journaling. And, and journaling is a, 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 a self-contained type of an archive 
um, that uh, doesn't allow uh, people to really access it. And the expiry process is really the only thing that deletes it. Since there's lots of data, uh, you know, 500 terabytes of unstructured data, an intelligence application uh, could be extremely useful here as well. So we could determine how much of the data has no perceived value or is of a certain age so that the data would not be needed based on like the corporate record schedule. Um, this tool it would be nice if it had some classification as well, because the classification, when you're looking at the metadata and then you're reading the contents, if you had that tag added within the intelligence tool, you could do this at the beginning of the stages before you bring useless or non-valuable data into a backup tool or an archive tool. Um, so the intelligence tool would simply be this mechanism for evaluating the value of data, right? So at that point, we could say, you know, out of 500 terabytes, I, I may only need 250 terabytes of actual archive or, you know, backup space for, you know, that data uh, or the unstructured stuff. But, you know, obviously, I would still need that 30 days worth of additional, you know, but it would significantly reduce the amount of backup licenses as well, um, just by evaluating the data with an intelligence tool. And if it had additional capabilities like actions, like it would delete data or archive data to a specific application, that would be pretty helpful. So again, since the data is regulated, some form of, of uh, application that provides easy to find data or, um, or, or it's easy to find the data based on the content or classification or the metadata would be um, kind of like an e-discovery tool that, you know, I could actually find my data quickly and then call down the information and produce whatever the relevant information is if, if something like that is asked. So um, we would certainly need some sort of an e-discovery type application or at least an application that provided some functionality around um, e-discovery uh, search tools. So a couple of things that you may or may not have um, been looking for is, uh, you know, the data sovereignty laws. So since there's a, um, a data center in Germany, uh, this data that the company manages within Germany is needs to be maintained in Germany. So the intelligence tools would also be able to look at that data in, you know, all these uh, the other two data centers in the U.S. and the U.K. And then if there is data that's found that it's, you know, Germany-related information or user data with Germany, then that tool could actually move the data from the U.S. or U.K. data centers into the Germany data center so that they remain compliant with data sovereignty laws. Um, also, since the company does business in the U.K., GDPR is going to be an issue as well, so the company will need to answer the different GDPR requests from persons living in the U.K. and uh, have the ability to process these requests quickly, um, like, for instance, uh, the right to be forgotten type roles. So here's a breakdown of the applications um, that I kind of outlined um, for, for the Acme Corporation. So um, the intelligence application itself being the beginning application, this is going to help us to understand our data set. Um, these applications can range between, say, $19 uh, or, you know, up to like, say, $50 per user. But if you look at additional plugins or modules, um, you know, some of these applications are sold like as a suite of products and can be as much as say $99 or $100 per user. For our case, we're going to go the inexpensive route and, uh, and leave this at a, con a very conservative $10 per user, which is the cheapest application I've ever seen. Um, uh, so 
what we would do is that this application is typically a user base, so we would need uh, you know fifteen thousand licenses at ten dollars a user, and uh, that that came out to roughly one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for the cost of the initial licenses, and then of course years two and and beyond. A renewal cost of 25% of that is $37,500 per year after year one. So it's pretty expensive, but you know, the, the fact that the intelligence application is going to be your, your kind of gateway into determining the value of the information, I think it's a, an extremely, um, valuable application that you're going to put in there. So now let's go to the uh, data protection pillar. So software for data protection can get pretty expensive. I mean, I've seen, you know, one terabyte as high as $7,000, which, you know, I mean, nobody's ever going to do that considering the cost of storage today. But your average um, cost that I've seen is between 2 and $4 per gigabyte. What we're going to do is use a an easy to understand or an easy to figure out $1 per gigabyte, which is equal to about $1,000, $1,024 per terabyte. So we're going to need um, software to handle the entire 500 terabytes so we can back up everything. Um, and then an additional 30 days worth of storage lifecycle policies. And this includes like four full backups and daily incrementals. So I, I figured we'd need somewhere around 900 terabytes of full backup licensing. Um, so that cost, even at $1 per gig, um, where with $9 or 900 terabytes, it, it figures out to about 921,600 US dollars for the initial license of the backup tool. And then uh, a 25% uh, renewal or support cost on that uh, capacity would be somewhere around two hundred thirty thousand four hundred dollars uh, for for years two and beyond. Um, now that the data protection application, you know, there, there's there's certainly a much cheaper route, um, but I'm looking at an enterprise class backup tool, um, and and these costs are actually on the very low side, especially at the beginning. Um, so. It's very difficult to kind of figure out these numbers, but, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not that out of the realm that it would be um, that high for the first year and then the, the following years thereafter. Um, and then, you know, since we already determined that Acme Corp needed an archive tool to handle um, at least 500 terabytes of unstructured data. So we would need, um, let, let's just figure that we only need about 400 terabytes initially because hopefully the intelligence tool is going to be able to weed out some of the information, but we're also going to need an additional capacity or license for to handle the growth over the next three years. So um, what I figured is uh, an additional 100 terabytes for growth over three years. Um, the archive tool should have complete classification. Um, so if that's a module that needs to be purchased or um, um, some sort of uh, additional cost, then you know, you're going to have to figure that in. You know, but while archive costs can be dramatically different, uh, the average cost per gig is comparable to the backup costs of around two to four dollars per gig. But in our case, we're going to use again the one dollars per gig. So it's the one thousand twenty-four dollars per terabyte. Um, with the initial cost for the licensing for the 400 terabytes initially and then an additional 100 terabytes for growth, um, your archive cost uh, for the first year license would be somewhere around $512,000. And then, of course, years two and beyond would be another 25% of the total license cost for support and maintenance of, of the application at about $128,000 per year. Uh, you, know, it, it, you know, we're starting to rack up some pretty big 
fees here or, or costs have to be, uh, you know, for the first year. And then, of course, it drops dramatically, you know, by 75% on years two and beyond. But um, it's still a pretty hefty bill to, to swallow. Um, and then let's take a look at the e-discovery application. So e-discovery licensing is different than other applications. Um, some applications are per user, per case, or per gigabyte of data that's being processed. For our exercise here, we use the standard $50 per gig of processing. Typical e-discovery deployments would seldomly need to look at the complete enterprise data set and normally would only process smaller amounts of data, like say 50 gigs uh, per case at any given time or, or request. So we'll use a total licensing for e-discovery um, at let's say 100 gigs, so we can handle about two or so cases. Um, and there's typically two costs involved here. Um, the processing cost obviously is the amount of data that you can bring in, and then of course um, the user cost, uh, which would be somewhere around thirty or fifty dollars per user. I don't want to make this too complicated, so what I figured out here is that um, we're going to get a hundred gig processing license, which would be somewhere around the eighty thousand dollar range, and we're going to get a mere fifty custodial licenses. You know, so I mean they have fifteen thousand users, so we can only process up to one hundred gigs at a time, or fifty custodians at this point, and those licenses would the custodian licenses would equal about forty thousand dollars. So the total for the e-discovery spend at the beginning, um, obviously, would there would be the ability to move data um, or, or move licensing and, and purchase more in the future. But, you know, we got to start somewhere. So that cost um, is estimated to be about $120,000 to get you started. And then, of course, that 25% for software maintenance and um, and support would be somewhere around 25% of that initial spend or about $30,000 a year. So I know I spent a lot of time, you know, outlining the costs. Uh, again, these costs are not outlandish. They're not out of the realm of what I've already seen in the compliance field for 14 years. So um, uh, the, the way I see it is, uh, you know, the potential startup cost for Acme Corp to manage their 500 terabytes is somewhere around $1.7 million. $1.7 million. That is a hard number to swallow. But even... Even a harder number for me to swallow here is the cost of the renewals and support and maintenance of the software from years two and beyond would total roughly $425,900 a year just to maintain the software in these four pillars. It's, it's just a staggering amount of money for me, um, but enterprises pay it. I mean, they, they know the they know the value of backup. So I mean, that's that's your that's your biggest cost, and they know without backup, their company could be in serious trouble. So how can Operavi help? So the platform uh, can overlap many of the features of the four swim lanes. In most cases, the functionality needed is already in their application to successfully manage the data. Will the platform ever fully replace your data protection tool? No, um, I would say it won't, uh, but it could certainly help to immediately reduce the amount of data that is needed for your backup license load. You know, so using intelligence tools to kind of weed out a lot of that junk that you can simply delete, you can significantly reduce that backup just by removing some of the data. Um, that, that doesn't hold much value to the organization. Um, and then a, another thing, you know, about the archive, it, is the platform a true archive tool? In many ways, it can be considered an archive tool um, just because 
you know, you're able to evaluate data, you're collecting all the data about the data, which means the content and the metadata is all captured and stored in the aggregator. Um, so in, in, in many ways, uh, you know, and then having the ability uh, with, with the smart policies to move the data based on any number of fields like metadata fields or, um, you know, content or classification, move it to a cheaper cloud tier storage, which also is going to reduce the need for backup licensing as well. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that the platform can do in the archive field, um, uh, you know, which which may be enough for uh, mo- most companies to, to be able to manage it. Because, I mean, really what you're looking for is to be able to capture the data where it sits, could be on an endpoint, could be on a server or NAS or, or direct attached storage, um, could be social media or cloud locations. So third-party tools could bring in data into the platform as well with those um, uh, different content sources. But the ability to maintain a complete content index, keep all the metadata about the file, and then make intelligent decisions on where to store it is basically the definition of an archive, right? Um, and, and then, of course, having the archive or the, the target location for this, the movement of the data to cloud or on-prem storage, that data can be controlled as to who can access or who can delete this information as well. So that legal hold process is something we can certainly do as well. And also, when you look at uh, the the ability to find data quickly and in, in related to an e-discovery search or some sort of um, public records or sub- subject access request, you know, comes in, the ability to use the metadata that's been collected for all the files and find data quickly using the find filters within the platform can help you cull the information um, using classification as part of that find filter to uh, eliminate a lot of the data that we know is not going to be relevant. Um, So we get down uh, to the ability to cull the data set down to a a much more relevant data set um, just by using the fine filters within the platform. And then once you get down to a reasonable number, then you can export that data and bring it into a proper e-discovery tool, which now you may not need all of that licensing because now you're looking at a, uh, you know, a 50 to 70% reduced data set that you've actually pulled over because you've been able to cull the information. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting how, how many functions the platform actually has. Um, so, Let's take a look at hard costs and why Operavi can provide almost immediate ROI. So in the case of the total cost for Acme Corp, um, the cost of, you know, the traditional four swim lanes for the backup and archive and um, the intelligence application and your e-discovery tool was $1.7 million to start up. The initial cost for Operavi's platform would be roughly $17,880 per month, or um, a year contract would be uh, about $196,680 for that first year. Um, So this is a savings of roughly $1.5 million on your initial cost. That's immediate ROI. Um, And then if you look at the years two and beyond, um, since it's a SaaS model application, that $196,680 per year would stay. Um, but however, it's still $261,760 less than your simple renewals for the software maintenance and support. 
right? Because support is included in the application through your subscription. Your maintenance is all included. So there's no additional support to buy. You know, so if you look at the immediate savings, the platform can save enterprise customers over 70% of their immediate uh, yearly spend of data management tools. So in some cases, a few of these other applications might be needed, like data protection. You'll still need to back up your structured data, your VMs, and your you know the, you know your your other things like that. However, if you take all the unstructured data and manage that data out of your backup rotation, um, then your backup licensing now becomes a significantly lower than what you typically would have needed if you didn't manage the data effectively. You know this this obviously you know sounds like a lot of fluff and smoke and mirrors however but if you look at SaaS applications and the ability for them to save money immediately this is exactly why we're building the platform you know in in summary the platform can produce an immediate day one ROI and can save organizations with data management needs up to 70% off their initial startup cost SaaS based applications significantly reduce the need for hardware renewal licensing and support and upgrade costs um, data center reduction is also a key benefit to SaaS based offerings because you're you're eliminating hardware so SaaS based offerings are traditionally subscription based saving infrastructure costs and providing organizations the ability to cut costs dramatically. So that basically answers the cut and slash costs um, concern that most organizations have, but it's up to them to maintain their revenue. <laughs> With that, I say goodbye, have a great day, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Operavi Podcast. For more information, see operavi.com or contact us directly via email at info at You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for the latest news, tips, and insights on data intelligence and automation. We'll be back soon with more episodes, so if you found today's topic useful, please subscribe, rate, and review, or share with a friend or a colleague. Thanks, and see you soon.